welcome to episode 5 of the Pizza Pixel Podcast. My name is Kerry Woodham, and I've been reviewing games uh, for about 25 years now. I started at the Dallas Morning News, and currently I write for uh, GamerDad.com. Uh, my brothers are helping me uh, bring me to the 21st century uh, by doing podcasts and things, uh, because before then I was mostly just doing writing and that's it. Um, so when we started this podcast, I didn't want to include my other brothers as well. Uh, so for this podcast, I brought in Nathan with me. Nathan, you want to say a little bit about yourself? Hi, I'm Nathan, and I have 26 years of experience playing video games. That's it. That's all you want to say? <laughs> okay. Well, fair enough. Well, when I do a podcast with one of my brothers, I try to think of a good topic that we can both talk about. Uh, for instance, in the last podcast with my other brother, Ben, we talked about our favorite video game music composers because Ben really likes music. So, I've noticed that when I talk about Disney theme parks with Nathan, he gets very enthusiastic. So, I thought that it would be a good idea to talk about that kind of thing in this podcast. Plus, they just uh, Nathan and a bunch of other uh, family members just got back from Disney World. Uh, so I thought that would be you know, fairly topical, too. That's correct. I still have the blisters on my feet. Oh, my gosh. I remember that whenever I went there. Yeah, you do get those blisters. Whew, walking around a lot. And I, it was hot. Yes, yeah. Hot and humid and wet. and Yeah, it, is, yeah. it, it can be rough if you, if you don't uh, have a good pair of shoes. Florida is... Yeah, Florida is, is pretty, pretty rough. So, so this podcast, we're actually not going to be talking a lot about video games at all. Well, we're going to have to talk about video games a little bit because it is me we're talking about here. But um, most of this is just going to be Disney. So I'm going to have uh, Jeff, when he edits this, I'm going to have him title this one just the Disney one. Because um, not only are we going to talk about our favorite Disney World theme park rides, uh, I thought first we'd go quickly over our top five favorite Disney characters because I thought it might give us some context about when we talk about the rides, and also just because I just want to. That sounds Darn good it. to me. Alrighty, excellent. So um, what we do here when we do these top five things is we alternate. So I'm going to have you talk about your top, your number five favorite Disney character, then I'll do my five, number five, and four, three. We're going to alternate like that. Okay. Okay. So first is going to be I'm going to have Nathan go first. So Nathan, tell me your uh, number five favorite Disney character. All right. So my number five favorite Disney character is a little obscure. His name is Tom Morrow. Hello, happy humanoids, and welcome to my land. My name is Tom Morrow. And Tom Morrow was originally, I believe, he was he was part of the attraction. Um, uh, flight to the Moon, but I never saw that attraction, so really, to me, the only reference I have to the character is on the Tomorrowland Transit Authority po People Mover, the ride at uh, Disney World. There is a short line where they say, Paging Mr. Morrow, Mr. Tom Morrow, uh, what, what did they say? Please contact Mr. Johnson in the control tower to confirm your flight to the moon which is a reference to the original attraction and the character, but I never wrote those. So I just get to listen to the voice and go, ha ha, that's cool. That's it. That's all I know about him. Well, I mean, it's certainly a character I didn't know about. Um, I, I'd have to say this is probably foreshadowing for the rest of the podcast on our love for Epcot, I suppose. Yes. Yes, it is. Okay. Well, 
Uh, with that, I'll say my number five uh, favorite Disney character, and it is Wreck-It Ralph. I'm gonna wreck it! Okay. Um, and yeah, Wreck-It Ralph is on here because video games, of course. But I also think it was a good movie, and uh, they had a VR attraction that I thought was really cool, too. Um, not so much the sequel, but, yeah, you know, we'll get to that some other time. Um, it's one of the few times that, when I watched the movie, it's one of the few times that I preferred CG over hand-drawn animation. Like, when I watched Frozen or Zootopia, I always thought, man, this would be so much cooler if it was hand-drawn. Oh my gosh, you're but, right. But not, not, uh, not, not Wreck-It Ralph. Um, and not only did it have a lot of fun just video game references, but it also had a lot of good characters and good story, the, the first movie did. so. And, and Wreck-It Ralph was, you know, the star, and I, I just thought he was great. Um, and I also liked the really subtle references, like at the end of the movie, uh, they play this song that they're singing about Wreck-It Ralph and what he does in the arcade game, and it, whenever I first watched that in the credits, I was like, man, wouldn't that be funny if that was sung by the same people who did Pac-Man Fever, which was an old song back in my day. And I had still have the record of that, but uh, it got like top ten Billboard at one point. Pac-Man Fever did, um, sung by uh, a couple of people named Buckner and Garcia. Um, but yeah, I, I watched the end credits, and at the end, the Wreck-It Ralph song that they were singing was sung by the same people who did Pac-Man Fever. Buckner and Garcia. Yes. So I thought that was great. So again, I just uh, that's why Wreck-It Ralph is my number five favorite. Well, I, w I will say about Rocket Ralph, uh, he is a really interesting character because, I, in my opinion, they kind of chose the perfect casting because John C. Riley has kind of that uh, dumb enthusiasm that you'd expect from a character like that. And I, I, I think they chose the voice cast really, really well uh, for that one. Even like, uh, what's his name? What's King Candy's name? The guy who played the pilot on... Uh, Firefly, uh, whatever. Anyway, he's <laughs> he's he's really good, and uh, Sarah Silverman as uh, whatever the lady's name is. Um. Oh, uh, uh, the the girl, Vanellope Von Sweets, yeah, yeah, yeah. She was pretty good. Really good, uh, really good cast there. Gotta yeah. say, yeah, it was a good movie. So that's yeah. that's kind of why Wreck-It Ralph is my favorite. Is you know that and it was just it was a good video game movie. Not really sure why they chose to take like a timeless idea, like an '80s arcade, an '80s. It's only timeless because it's a reference to another time. But then they took that and they were like, "Oh, let's make it modern." But when the movie came out, it was already dated because they had references to like, you know, 2016 internet. Oh, the anyway, sequel. Yeah, that was yeah. that was a big mistake. Yeah, well. Like I said, we won't we won't go into the sequel. Yeah. All right. So let's do number four in our favorite Disney characters. And what is yours? Uh, mine's Eeyore. It's not much of a tale, but I'm sort of attached to it. And I really like Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh. Uh, for a few reasons. One, I relate to him a lot. He's just a very depressed fellow, and uh, you know that that's as a uh you know, post-college drop, I guess a college dropout. I relate to it quite a bit. Um, I will say when I was younger, I uh, would respond. I got the nickname Eeyore at church camp because I would respond to things like, with, with just like an, okay. And <laughs> just, just complete apathy. 
And people thought that was funny, so they all called me Eeyore. Thanks for noticing me. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I like Eeyore, too. Um, uh, Winnie the Pooh is probably one of the few Disney things that they haven't ruined yet. Um, But, yeah, Eeyore would probably be my favorite uh, Winnie the Pooh character, too. Um, My favorite uh, world in Kingdom Hearts has always been the Winnie the Pooh worlds. (laughs) That's very funny, because you don't really do a lot. Yeah, I know, but I don't care. I still like them. Uh, we're actually going to get more into Winnie the Pooh later on, though, so uh, if there's yeah. not anything else you want to say, I'll do my number four, no, which is uh, Sorcerer Mickey. Okay. Um, when Walt Disney first made Mickey Mouse, he kind of envisioned him as being a mischievous, adventurous little scamp. And whenever other more popular Disney characters came out, like Donald and Goofy, Mickey Mouse kind of turned into more of a straight man, and Walt Disney kind of didn't really like that that much. So um, it's cool that in uh, The Sorcerer's Apprentice, part of Fantasia, he kind of returned to his more um, mischievous, adventurous side. And so that's why I think it's really cool. Uh, You know, when people look at some of the more modern Mickey Mouse cartoons are like Kingdom Hearts and like, oh my gosh, Mickey Mouse is like, you know, doing ninja stuff and they think it's surprising. It's like, not really. You know, he was doing more adventurous stuff like that in his early days. So, um, you know, I, I just, that's just where I really like Sorcerer Mickey and, you know, plus his hat is cool. And uh, I really like music and, and Fantasia and Fantasia 2000 as well. So uh, that's why he's on my list. Well, speaking of music and uh, Sorcerer Mickey, the way I know him best is from the Disney World ride or the 3D movie, the Mickey's Philhar Magic, which features Donald taking the sorcerer's hat and creating chaos and going to all the different Disney movies where they all sing a sing a song and uh, Donald gets stuck in the middle. I don't think I saw that. Uh, it's a really really fun attraction, and I highly recommend people go there. I don't think it gets the love it deserves. Huh. Um, it was really dark though the last time I went but I think they're refurbishing it so maybe it would get better but um uh, it uh, has a nice little reference to Kingdom Hearts where um, when he goes into Peter Pan Peter Pan sprinkles pixie dust on him and Donald starts flying with his butt like he does in Kingdom Hearts so so Hmm. that's real real funny Hmm. Um, but yeah I I like I like Mickey's Philhar Magic quite a bit okay cool yeah I don't remember ever doing that so um Maybe next time. Um, so, yeah, let's go on to our number three. What's your number three favorite Disney character? Uh, yes, Kronk from Ember's New Groove, because he's voiced by the most immaculate voice actor who has ever lived, Patrick Warburton. He is pretty funny. Quite my quite quite a quite a good voice actor. I also like him in uh, as the... Uh, the... Uh, what is it? The host in Soren? Oh, yeah. It's all coming together. Oh, yeah, I remember that when he, like, tells you what to do in the yeah. line and everything. He's like, all right, seatbelts, keep your hands and arms inside the flight vehicle at all times, and anything else. Oh, yeah, have a nice flight. <laughs> I like Patrick Warburton quite a bit. He's quite a, quite a funny guy. Yes, he is. All right, so uh, my number three favorite Disney character is Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. <laughs> Now, I knew about Oswald since I was a little kid, even before Epic Mickey, the video game where Oswald kind of came back into the spotlight. 
Um, I did a lot of research projects on Walt Disney as a kid in school, so that's how I knew about Oswald. Um, also, I've always been fascinated with old black and white cartoons. Um, I don't know why, just they just fascinate me for some reason. So I've always known about Oswald. And um, like one time when I was a, a little kid, when I went to Disney World, Main Street USA had like this little filler area where you go inside this dark room and they had a bunch of little theater screens showing old Disney cartoons. I just, I could sit in there forever. Uh, they were showing all the old black and white stuff. Um, now, Oswald kind of got back into the spotlight here in the recent past 10 or so years because mm -hmm. uh, 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 Universal actually owned the rights to Oswald for many, many, many years, and then Disney uh, bought it back and traded like a ESPN sportscaster for him, so we got a funny little story about that. Um, but in Epic Mickey, at the end of it, I like how they said that uh, Mickey kind of considered Oswald his older brother. So mm -hmm. I thought that was kind of cool. I don't know if they are going to make that canon or whatever, but you know, I just think it's a neat little idea. Is there like is there really a Mickey Mouse canon? I mean, I feel like things change per cartoon. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, like but, if if Goofy and Pluto can exist in the same universe, and one of them be an intelligent yeah. creature and the other be a dog, I don't think there's an important canon. <laughs> you know? Well, I just thought it was kind of cool that you know they said that anyway. Yeah, that so was nice, neat, neat little thing. You know, I will say, I guess this is kind of off topic, but you were talking about how you liked black and white cartoons mm -hmm. and I was thinking while we were at Disney we rode the new ride Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway yeah I'd like to I've heard about that it, I'd like to try that it's pretty fun but it's based on the new cartoons and I was thinking while I was writing it it would be a lot more interesting if this was like based on if this was based on some of the older cartoons like that um what was it Get a Horse or something yes like, that's the best part of Frozen yeah the Get a Horse short that they uh -huh. did was so fantastic, uh -huh. and it was all the old-style Mickey Mouse. Yes. Even the color one was old-style Mickey Mouse, and I think it would be way cooler if Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway was like that. Yeah, you know? that would have been really cool. You know that Oswald even makes an appearance and get a horse. Well, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I bringing in Oswald would be interesting. I, I just... The ride wasn't bad at all, and in fact, it was quite fun, but... It's like little things like that that make me really wish they had a, kind of a different way of thinking about the Disney parks. I, I both I both like and don't like the new Mickey Mouse cartoons. I like that they've mm -hmm. gone back to the classic style, but some of that artwork and animation is so ugly. It is. It is. <laughs> and the only thing that's making me a little more interested in them is that Paul, Paul uh, my my nephew watches them. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to talk about Paul Rudish, the guy who made those. No, no. Paul, Paul, little Paul, Ben's son? Yes. He watches them, and he loves them. And so I like them, too, because Paul likes them. Okay, well, I may have oh. to give him a chance, but this good enough for Paul, you know. Oh, there you go. All right. So, uh, with that out of the way, uh, maybe we should start our number two picks for a uh, favorite Disney character. Okay, my number two... I'm not really sure. I don't have a justification for this, but I really, really like Mulan. Just the the character from the movie and the movie itself. She is my favorite Disney princess. I don't really have... I don't really think about the Disney princesses too much, but she is just standout, a very, very interesting character. And a strong character, 
without being uh, overly weird or, or preachy about it. And I, I really, really like that. I like the movie quite a bit. Um, I wish there were more characters like her. And uh, I didn't quite like as much uh, the um, live-action Mulan. I never saw it. Uh, the live-action Disney movies I've seen kind of sucked, so I just oh. didn't bother with it. <laughs> Let me put it this way. In the original Mulan, there were scenes where she like was showing that she was really, you know, had a lot of dexterity, like when she caught all the plates, but that was played for comedic effect. It was funny because the plates were falling and she caught them all. Oh, and then she dropped them. Ha ha, laugh. In, in the live action film, it is played as if it's a serious thing. Like, oh wow, look, she can catch all these plates. Wow, she's a she's a prodigy, you know, and I always hated that because part of what made Mulan so cool is that despite her, um, her limitations, her hard work, determination, and cleverness allowed her to overcome all of the obstacles of, of the time she, that she lived in. And I like that message a lot better than if you're born with it, then you got, you know, anyway. Okay. Well, uh, my number two is favorite Disney character is Scrooge McDuck. Bunny copper column, bunny silver column, I'm in love with you. Bunny paper column, why do you look solemn? I adore you too. I rustle and sparkle. Okay. Uh, it's mainly because of DuckTales. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I also think it's interesting that, you know, most Disney characters start out in a movie or something or in a cartoon. Scrooge McDuck started out in the comics, in the Disney comics. Really? Yeah. He, um, and then later he was like in a 1960s educational short on the economy, and then he was Ebenezer Scrooge in Mickey's Christmas Carol, which was new whenever I was a kid, so it was kind of a big deal because that was like one of the first new Mickey cartoons in a long time. That is my favorite version of A Christmas Carol, by the way. Well, my favorite is The Muppet Christmas Carol, but... That's my second favorite. Yeah. <laughs> but there are three Disney car- Christmas Carols, right. and that, to me, is the best one. Well... Scrooge McDuck. Even then, I thought Scrooge was cool, even though I didn't know where he came from yet. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I had to tell a story about how I discovered DuckTales. So... Um, the old DuckTales, the one that came out in the 80s. Right. Um, back then, most of the cartoons that were out were basically 30-minute toy commercials. You know, Transformers, G.I. Joe, um, My Little Pony, Rainbow Bright, He-Man, She-Ra. They were all just to advertise the action figures that uh, you can buy. Right, right. And, Lost World. And I, uh, you know, caught it, got, it, got into Transformers for a little bit, but... You know, because as I got older and 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 things, uh, and I just lost interest, I got really tired of all these cartoons. So believe it or not, there was a time as a kid I didn't watch new cartoons, and that's that's a pretty big deal, especially if yeah. you know me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when Ducktales was first advertised, I was like, I'm not going to watch that baby Disney cartoon. Well, as luck would have it, uh, the Sunday before they were going to start showing it on weekday afternoons, they showed like a little movie, like little five episodes right in a row of DuckTales on a Sunday afternoon. And as luck would have it, I was sick that day and really couldn't get out of bed. So my mom rolled the TV into my room and I didn't really have much better to do, so I just watched the DuckTales cartoon and I was floored. I was like, holy cow, this is good animation, good story. It's not based on anything I can buy. It's not advertising me anything. 
And I was hooked. I was I watched DuckTales and I started watching cartoons after that. And so that was that was kind of significant for me. Um, I liked the new DuckTales show, the one that came out in 2017. Uh, but I still like the original the best. Um, and I, I just like Scrooge as a character because even though he's a senior adult, he doesn't let age get in his way. He he still goes on these adventures and doesn't let age age stop him. Um, and also he's rich, but he didn't, he, he got his riches by working hard and saving his money. And I think that's a lesson that I still practice to this day. Um, you know, maybe someday I'll have a money bin and I can dive into it, but you know, uh, but yeah, I just think that's really cool. So that's why Scrooge McDuck is my second favorite Disney character. I do have a, uh, um, a deep philosophical question for you. Okay. Oh no. So what do you think that money pit what do you think those coins are made out of? Because if they were gold and, and he really dove into a bunch of gold coins, I mean, he would break a bunch of bones on impact, you know? But he obviously doesn't. What do you think What do you think those coins are actually made out of? Um, I think that it's a cartoon. Oh, no. That's, that's not, it's not a good enough answer for me. I think, I think they're made out of gallium, which is a metal that can act like a liquid. And so he jumps... He jumps into this big pool of ga- of gold-colored gallium coins, and it it's it doesn't hurt him because it's acting like a liquid when he jumps in. Well, yeah, how much is think? gallium worth in in coin form? You think? I, do, well, I don't know. Well, you know what? Maybe there's there's I think there's tons of videos you can watch online where they try to figure out Scrooge's net worth and his money. <laughs> so if you want to. Go into that. Go go watch those videos later after this podcast <laughs> is over, okay? Okay. All right. So um, now, with that out of the way, let's do our number one favorites. All righty? Okay. And what's yours? My number one is Carl from the movie Up. You ever heard of a snipe? Snipe? Bird. Beady eyes. Every night it sneaks in my yard and gobbles my poor Asalias. I'm elderly and infirm. I can't catch it. If only someone could help me. Me, me, I'll do it. And I like him because one, Up is a very emotional uh, movie, and it really tugs at the heartstrings. And I, especially, I, I mean, the two scenes I can think of: the first ten minutes, obviously, that's the thing that everyone talks about. But also, there's a scene toward the end where he's reading uh, his, you know, adventure book, and he gets to the pages that he never read before, and it's. Ellie filled them all out. Ugh. Too emotional. Anyway, point is... Now I, start your own adventure. Yeah, now start your own adventure. That's... Mm. that's It's such a good... A, a really nice story. A really good story about how it doesn't matter what age you are, you can uh, you tr- try new things and do new things and find, you know, a new lease on life, that kind of thing. No matter no matter what, it just takes it just takes a will to do it, and uh, I liked that message a lot. I also like the um, I also like the fact that Disney made um, the main character of one of their flagship movies a real crotchety, mean old man. I think that's a fantastic idea, and they should do that a lot more because crotchety, mean old men are really funny to watch. Hmm. Well, Up is one of my favorite Pixar movies, too, alongside uh, Finding Nemo and Inside Out. Um, do you remember when 
we were both at Disney World at the Animal Kingdom area, and they had that wilderness explorer thing that, kids, oh, yeah. that I think it was for kids, but oh, yeah. you could like get stamps. Mm-hmm. I, I, I finally I, finished that, by the way. Well, that's cool. I I, I know we kind of wanted to do that whenever I was there, but we were like, nah, that's for kids. We better not do that. Yeah. But, no, I ended up yeah. doing it. <laughs> yeah. But as, as far as car goes, it's a shame about Ed, Ed Asner passing away recently. I didn't know he passed away recently. Yeah, he did, and that was the voice of Carl, I believe. Um, that's sad. Yeah. But I'll remind you on air that um, uh, if you have Disney Plus, to make sure and watch, watch Doug Days. Okay. They're little okay. shorts about uh, Carl and his dog uh, after they got back from their adventure, and it's, it's just really cute. Oh, that's really nice. I watched all the season one episodes uh, all in a row. Grant, granted, they're only like 10 minutes long, and there's only five of them, but... That's very cute. I guess you can say I just binge-watched it. That's really nice. But, um, um, but yeah, the last episode is especially sweet. So, yeah, go watch that Disney+. Plus. Okay. All right. Now I'm going to talk about my number one favorite uh, Disney character. And then we'll go on to the favorite park rides. Um, this is going to be a longer podcast than usual, I think, but that's okay. Um, but yeah, my number one favorite uh, Disney characters are Chip and Dale. Mainly because I knew a guy who helped create them. Uh, his name it was William Tex Henson. Okay. Um, Back when I was a kid, uh, one of the things I wanted to do when I grew up was be a cartoonist. Mm-hmm. And the great thing about both my mom and our dad is that no matter how silly or stupid my uh, dreams were when I was a kid, they always supported them and would try to do things to um, en- enrich uh, and further along my dreams. So uh, one summer, uh, my mom enrolled me in a class taught by uh, Tex Henson. Uh, at, at Brookhaven College, and it was called The World of Cartooning, and technically I was too young to take take the class, but um, Texans let me in anyway. And uh, <laughs> so this class, um, he really didn't teach anything about cartoons. He was a very uh, elderly gentleman, and all he would do in the class would just sit there and tell stories about his days at Disney and other cartoon studios, and um, I still enjoyed it, but I didn't learn a dang thing from it. Um, but yeah, he worked at, uh, back in the day, he worked at Disney and he helped create Chip and Dale. Uh, then he worked at Fleischer Studios because he wanted to do Popeye cartoons, but since he was typecast as a Disney animator, a cutesy <laughs> Disney animator, they made him do Casper the Friendly Ghost cartoons instead. Aww. And then he worked at uh, the company that makes the Rocky and Bullwinkle cartoons, oh. J. Ward Studios, and he said that was his favorite thing to do. And then after that, he did commercials like Early Tricks Rabbit and stuff. Oh. Uh, and then he moved back to Texas and, and uh, was a school teacher. And then I think that's about the time where I met him. Uh, he's passed away now. I hope that they can listen to podcasts in heaven because I hope that he's able to listen to this podcast. So he said one thing uh, that really inspired me, even though I never became a cartoonist. Uh, he said that animators are storytellers first and animators second. And even though I never became an animator, um, I was able to um, discover that I really was good at writing. And, you know, and, and I've been writing game reviews for 25 years now. So I guess you could say that I am a storyteller first. Mm. So anyway, that's that's how he inspired me. But yeah, he, create, uh, he created Chippendale, or he helped create Chippendale. Um, but even before then, my favorite videos that I would rent as a kid in the video movie rental store, the Disney had like, videos based on all the different 
uh, Disney characters, little short cartoons, and my favorites were always the Chip and Dale ones. Um, when the Disney afternoon cartoons were big, my favorite of all of them was the Chip and Dale Rescue, Rescue Rangers. Rangers. Yeah, Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers cartoon. Uh, even, I don't think Tex didn't, Tex Henson really didn't like that cartoon. He always told me that uh, um, Chip and Dale should just be gathering uh, acorns and not solving mysteries and wearing clothes. But I told him that, you know, a lot of kids really like the cartoon and it brings them happiness. He's like, well, I guess you're right. Uh -huh. uh, but <laughs> but uh, um, around the time I was taking the class, the Chippendale Rescue Rangers Nintendo game came out. So I did have him sign the box to that N Nintendo game. I don't know if he really appreciated that or not, but, but he did. Um, but yeah, even though DuckTales is technically the better show, I still like Rescue Rangers more for some reason. Yeah. Um, there's new stuff about Chippendale now. Disney Plus has a show called Chippendale Park Life. That is, uh, it's animated in the same way that Mickey Mouse cartoons are done, so I don't really like that part of it. Mm. There's also a, a CG uh, Chippendale Nutty Tales uh, that they have. I think it's more along the lines of the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse stuff. And there's also supposedly a Chippendale Rescue Rangers movie coming out. Ooh. I can't wait for that. I'm really excited. Good. So anyway... Uh, those are our favorite Disney characters, and that took longer than what I thought, but oh well. Um, oh, we're it's going... only half podcast length. Like, well, yeah, what are we on now? 28 minutes. Oh, okay, yeah, we still got time. It just <laughs> feels longer when you're doing it, I guess. Yeah. You know. But anyway, so now we're going to talk about our favorite uh, Disney World rides, or any rides that are in the Disney theme parks, like Epcot or whatever. It's, right. It's, it's going to be the same. So Okay. So, Nathan, you go ahead and start first. Okay, so... Um, I'm gonna avoid controversy when I say this, but my number five favorite ride is Splash Mountain, uh, and I will say that despite the context, the theming of the ride, I would not have known that context uh, without it being without that information being thrust upon me, uh, despite me not asking for it. So. To me, the theming for Splash Mountain is just Splash Mountain and has no other context at all. And therefore, I really enjoy the ride. Um, and it has some of the best... Well, some of the animatronics have kind of dwindled down in quality over the years and some of them broke a few times. But it does have some of the best animatronics. It has a really cute, fun story. Um, and it gets a little dark toward the end. And I really I really like that. And then the music is great, you know. Sing zippity doo -dah all the time. Such a good ride, and the the thrill of that last drop just brings it all together for me. It's long, which I like longer rides. Good time. Good time. I don't think I've ever been on uh, Splash Mountain, because when I go to Disney World, I really don't care to get my clothes wet whenever I walk around the park. Makes sense. Um, it's just me. I, don't, I just don't like having soggy underwear when I'm sitting down watching the presidents. Um, but, it, I mean, it, to me, it's a shame that they're changing it to Princess and the Frog, but... I don't know. Maybe it'll still be good. Um, I don't want to really get into the politics of why they're changing it here on this podcast. Um, yeah. Yeah. All you listeners, you can ask Nathan what my views on it are on later. I mean, I'm, I'm just not going to get into it yeah. now. <laughs> um, but, well, uh, but yeah, we'll see in, in some of these rides that sometimes, you know, change can be for the better, but you know, who knows? But I, I, it is a shame that they are going to change it since it does seem like it's, well, it's pretty nice. It's, it's a pretty good ride. Let me actually say something about that. I will say it is, I don't like, the idea of them changing all the old stuff, uh, especially the old original stuff, and the new 
things based on their new properties or whatever. I'm not a huge fan of that. I've never been a huge fan of that. I wish they would stop doing that because, frankly, even though nobody wrote it, Maelstrom was a better ride overall than Frozen. And I know I'm going to get a lot of hate for that, but it's true. It was a better ride overall. It's now Frozen, and it's a lot more popular, but in my opinion, it lost some of its charm. I've but, never been on the Frozen ride yet. I did like the Maelstrom ride, but the last time I went on it, it did look like it could use a bit of polish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it definitely could, and I, I'm not going to complain about that. But I, I will say, as far as Splash Mountain specifically goes, since it is already based on a property, changing it to a new property doesn't make that much of a difference. And the aesthetic, the you know, Louisiana Bayou aesthetic of Princess and the Frog fits really well, actually, with that type of ride, and might look really, really cool, and depending on how they do it, if they don't make it a too cheesy or try and shove, you know, parts of the story in where it really doesn't belong, it could work pretty well. So I'm, I am cautiously enthusiastic about it, uh, also acknowledging that it's still one of my favorite rides, so if they, if they make it any good at all, I'll still like it. I will still be mildly upset that they changed it, though. Yeah. So. Yeah, we'll get to a ride later on down the list that they changed that um, we'll talk about later. So. Yeah. All right. So my number five favorite ride is uh, Journey to Imagination in Epcot. Now, it's not the same Journey to Imagination that you've seen. This one was like an actual physical ride that you went through. Mm-hmm. Um, and the mascot of... of Journey to Imagination, and Epcot in general is Figment the Dragon. And I always thought he was cool, and Epcot is my favorite of the theme parks. Uh, Magic Kingdom fans are going to hate me for saying this, but I could almost skip out on Magic Kingdom the next time I go and just spend more time at Epcot. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, I agree with him, so you'll have to hate us both. um, The original Journey to Imagination ride was the best, but I've seen it change like two times since then. Yes. Um... It's, it's not as good, but the last time I went, at least Figment was in it more. Mm-hmm. So I was happy about that. Um, Figment reminds me of Spyro the Dragon. I think they're probably cousins or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just don't say that out loud to Disney. They'll get mad. Oh, I don't care if Disney gets mad. <laughs> um, uh, and any time I go to Epcot Center, I always have to get a Figment souvenir. And they have tons of them now. Really cool. Yeah. They're really milking that figment without doing anything to the ride that would ch- bring Dreamfinder back. Do you uh, remember last time we got those comic books? Yes. When we were we both were there. They were so terrible, but man, it was a good time. I love terrible comic books. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I will say, random rabbit trail real quick, that one comic book you got me that was uh, uh, Gumball themed, the, the Amazing World of Gumball comic book, uh-huh. funniest comic book I've ever read. Highly recommend it. Huh. Anyway. Okay. All right. So, yeah, that's that's our number five favorites. Now let's go to our number four favorite rides. What's yours? Well, let, let me give a little bit of context real quick to okay. that Journey into Imagine thing. Oh, okay, sure. Thing. The original one had a character called Dreamfinder, which is basically this old man who who brought you on his whimsical, uh, like, kind of steampunky airship into the world of imagination with his little pet dragon figment. And it was cute and fun and, and, and very exciting. Uh, and then uh, Kodak, Kodak, which was the original sponsor of the Lost, went bankrupt, I think, um, uh, at the time, and lost a whole lot of money and had to pull out the sponsorship. And the person that replaced him for the sponsorship replaced it with a very boring 
uh, a character who just talked about, it was called Journey into Your Imagination. And uh, it talked about the science of imagination and all that. And nobody cared about that because they were only there for, for uh, Figment and Dreamfinder anyway. So no one liked it at all. And they were all mad that they changed it completely. So they changed it again to Journey into Imagination with Figment. And so now it has, it is the same th narrator, the real boring old guy, but now Figment's in it, and Figment, you know, is kind of annoying and not the cute little character that everyone knew him as, but at least he th he's there. And uh, a little more imagination-inspired, a little less weirdly robotic. Anyway, that's it. <laughs> Remember, folks, at the beginning of the podcast when I told you that Nathan gets really enthusiastic about talking about Disney stuff? It's true, I do. Yeah, so there you go. Disney, All right. Disney parks are my passion. <laughs> All right, so now with that out of the way, let's do our number four favorite. Okay. All right, number four for me is The Great Movie Ride. And you guys are going to realize that other than one ride on this list, I like all the boring rides. But The Great Movie Ride, to me, I mean, I was, uh, at one point, I was a film major. I'm really into cinema, and The Great Movie Ride was a journey through the history of cinema. And I loved it. I, I still love it. Uh, it's very fun. There were famous lines quoted all the time. There's a little acting portion where the the people would ride on the um, they, you had a little host, kind of like jung uh, Jungle Cruise, that would make jokes and talk about the movies along the way, and then uh, either a cowboy or a gangster would take over the cart and hold everyone up for ransom, and he'd drive through the movies and he'd just make, you know, little comments like, Oh, this alien movie's scary. We better get out of here and all that kind of thing. Um, and then eventually uh, he got too greedy and was replaced by the host again. So real real fun uh, really fun story there. And they always added something new to the end because, you know, new movies were coming out all the time. So the last time I went, they even had scenes from, like, Guardians of the Galaxy, the final um, uh, little movie montage that they had. It was quite fun, and they replaced it with uh, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, which does not really fit with oh, the Chinese theater. Oh, that's what they theater. replaced it with. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. And it, it's in the middle of the Chinese theater, which it doesn't make sense for a Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway to be in the middle of the Chinese theater. I'm sorry, it doesn't, it doesn't make a lot of sense. It would make a little more sense. I, I don't know. Well, hmm. anyway, um, a great movie ride fit a lot better in that place, but if nobody's riding it, I get changing it. You know, not everyone can have the same interests I do, so... Whatever. Goodbye, second favorite ride. <laughs> um, fourth favorite ride, I guess. Yeah. Alright, well, um, my favorite, my fourth favorite ride is Living Seas at Epcot. Um, I've, it's not really much of a ride. I mean, yeah, the first part is a ride. I think that's just for crowd control. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's mostly just a big aquarium. And I, I've, I've always liked aquariums. Even as a little kid, I could spend, like, the whole afternoon in that in that place. Oh, yeah. Um, and I even liked it when they added the Finding Nemo stuff, because unlike some of the other additions, that seemed to fit. Mm -hmm. And plus, Finding Nemo was my favorite, was one of my favorite Pixar movies, so yeah. Um, I even liked in the beginning that, uh, in the beginning of the ride, the entrance that has the, it originally just had the waves crashing into the rocks right. and, and the thing, and then they added the little seagulls that went, mine, 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 mm -hmm. mine. Mm -hmm. I just love that. That was that was funny. So that's just one of the times where uh, they made a change for the better, I think. Right. So that, that just seemed to fit. 
So, but anyway, that's that's my fourth favorite. Well, actually, bouncing off of that, um, I actually agree with you that the Finding Nemo thing, it fit and it didn't make it, it didn't take away from the main appeal of the attraction. Mm-hmm. A lot of the time when they add properties into it, to me, it takes away from the main appeal of it, which is why I don't like it when they do that, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, them adding Ratatouille into France doesn't really change anything. It just adds, an, they're just adding a new thing in the background. But them adding Frozen to, um, to, uh, you know, Norway bothers me a little bit because they have, you know, they originally it was about Norway, Nor, Norwegian history and tr- or or mythology, I guess, and trolls and stuff. And now it's about Frozen. Took away a little bit, but that Finding Nemo Aquarium pretty great. Fun fact: it is the world's largest single tank aquarium, hmm. and they serve the fish there. In their coral reef restaurant, mm, which hey, is a, a hey, little Nemo. more mm, delicious. <laughs> um, clownfish. Do you remember uh, last time we were there together? Uh, we found we we both found the hidden Mickey. Yes, in that aquarium. I thought that was pretty mm-hmm. cool. That was pretty neat. Yeah. I also really liked the the. Uh, it's kind of a kids thing, but there's a little show kind of thing where you can talk to Crush the turtle. Uh, it's called Crush Talk or something like that, and. Uh, turtle talk with crush that's what it is oh, okay and uh it's somebody is like behind a screen and he's and he does the voice of crush and crush's little character moves around and talks to the kids it's really goofy and i really liked it as a kid <laughs> uh, yeah that sounds like a lot of fun time. all right well let's do our number three favorite rides uh what's yours okay this is the only exciting ride i think uh well besides splash mountain's a little exciting but this is the only really exciting ride on my list uh, it is Expedition Everest, and the reason Expedition Everest is my third favorite, it would be higher on the list, um, but I like the boring rides, like I said. So, Expedition Everest is one of my favorite rides because, one, it is the last original idea that they actually made into a ride. It's the very last one. It is about going into the Appalachian Mountains and finding yetis and... Uh, Appalachians? No, not Appalachian Mountains. It's probably Himalayan Mountains. That's it. Appalachian Going into is Himalayan Mountains. in the U.S. and it's the East. Yeah, they, they both... <laughs> Listen. Geography. I guess... <laughs> geography is my worst subject. I'm terrible with directions. Let's just pretend that didn't happen. Okay. The Himalayan Mountains. You go into the Himalayan Mountains searching for yetis and, uh, you know, you go up there and the track's ripped up and you're like, whoa, what? And then you go backwards and then... Uh, you see the, the a shadow of the Yeti ripping up tracks, and he yells, and then you go forward into this drop, and it's a really exciting ride, and there's a big old animatronic Yeti, and at the beginning, he was swinging his arm around. Now he just stays still while a flashing light, you know, flashes on him, and they call him the Disco Yeti now, because he doesn't move. <laughs> um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, at the time, he moved fantastic ride last original idea they've had for a ride that they've actually made into a ride at disney world i should say because i'm sure somewhere around the world there's another newer one but isn't expedition everest at animal kingdom it is okay it is um well animal kingdom is part of disney world okay yeah okay Um, okay. but um i i miss when they were doing that and it is a very fun roller coaster i always go on it at least six times every trip goodness I, i i ride it so much and if you get there really early in the morning, you can ride it first thing because everybody else is going to uh, Avatar Land to ride, you know, Flight of Passage or whatever. And I'm going straight to Expedition Everest, riding it six times, and then getting off and going to do something else. Yeah. 
So, great ride. I'm, I wish they were still doing stuff like that. Mm. I never rode Expedition Everest because I'm just not really a big fan of roller coasters that are worse than the Mine Train at Six Flags. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't. I just don't do them. It's just not my thing. That makes sense. Um, I get motion sickness pretty easily. <laughs> you know, uh, well, Runaway Runaway Mine. Tra- well, I guess it is worse than the Mine Train. It's not worse than Runaway Mountain though. At the one in the dark, it's not worse than that one. Oh yeah, I don't do yeah. the I don't do the one in the dark at Six Flags. It's just the regular old mine train. That you yeah, sit in there no. and pretend like you're Indiana Jones. You know. Yeah, no. Um, and I'm also just not really a big fan of Animal Kingdom. It's my least favorite of the of the Disney theme parks. Have I you thought, been there since Pandora opened? That's the Avatar thing, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? I've never been a big fan of Avatar either because Ava- the Avatar movie was basically a showcase for 3D effects and. You know, I'm blind in my left eye. I can't see that stuff. I totally get it. Uh, and you know what? Uh, the Avatar movie kind of sucks. I hate it. Um, but the Avatar land is so cool. One of the best lands they have, honestly. It's genuinely like they got floating islands and everything. It's just magical to look at. Hmm. One of the coolest things they've ever done. And I, I, it improved the quality of Animal Kingdom for me. Still might be near the bottom of the lands overall but because well i don't think it actually is at the bottom anymore because when it was really hot this trip we were walking around in the shade of the trees you know that are covering all of animal kingdom so it felt real nice exploring animal kingdom but yeah i i I totally understand why it would be the less lesser park of the four okay Mm. Alrighty. well my number three favorite ride is the Winnie the Pooh ride at Magic Kingdom. I forget what it's yes. called. I just call it the Winnie the Pooh ride. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, we were talking before about rides that have changed. Yes. Uh, when I was a real little kid, uh, like the first or second time I went to Disney World, my mm-hmm. favorite ride was called Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. Okay? And I liked it as a kid because you drove around these old-timey cars at, on those tracks, mm-hmm. and it got really dark at the end because they had a really cheesy effect where it looked like you got run over by a train coming towards oh, you. No, they just well, all they did was they just showed a spotlight, like the train light coming towards you, and then like the last part of the ride, you're in hell. <laughs> <laughs> and as a oh, kid, I was man. like, "Wow, this isn't Disney like." Um, but if they were going to have to change a ride, I mean, even though that was my favorite, I was a little mad they changed it. If they were going to have to change a ride. Mr. Toad's Wild Ride would be one of the ones, because even yeah. back then, it was so dated. Um, you could see the tracks that you were going around. It looked like you were just in a garage, and you could see the concrete on the floor. The backdrops were just flat pieces that they just shone back lights on, mm-hmm. uh, black lights on. Um, it, it just it, it needed to be updated. And, and even as a kid, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride was a very obscure Disney cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> and, and now, yeah, I mean, you know, who, who would have heard of that? So what they replaced it with was a Winnie the Pooh ride. And again, I was mad at first, but then I rode it, and it was such a cute ride. You ride in these little honey pots. Well, actually, they're big honey pots, I guess. Mm-hmm. And there's one adorable section where um, uh, you know Tigger comes along, and he's like, let's bounce. And then the whole cart, the whole cart ride just goes up and down and up and down. And <laughs> it's just really cute. I, mm-hmm. I really like it. And again, Winnie the Pooh is, is a is a proper a Disney property I do really and like. Winnie the Pooh falls asleep and he has dreams about the heffalumps, which gave me nightmares as a kid. Oh, it's not that scary. <laughs> okay. Um, but speaking of of you having nightmares as a kid, I'm I want to tell a kind of 
funny, slightly embarrassing story about you when you were little and went to Disney World. Go right ahead. And again, uh, I tell all the listeners this. Whenever I have an embarrassing story to tell about my brothers, I make sure to get their permission first. Okay? So I'm not trying to, like, you know, publicly embarrass them or anything. But anyway, when... When Nathan was about four, we went to Disney World, and we rode the Haunted Mansion ride. And keep in mind, Nathan's only four. If I was four and rode the Haunted Mansion ride, I would have been scared, too. So Nathan was a little scared after the Haunted Mansion ride. I think he, like, hit his face uh, under his mom's arm the whole time. And so after we got out of that ride, Nathan just looked up at his mom and said, Mom, can we ride a little boy's ride next? So we rode the Winnie the Pooh ride. Which uh, was great and a, such a good time. And really uh, calmed my nerves after, <laughs> other than the huddle up section. I didn't think that you would uh, remember all that, but I just thought it was cute that you called that you wanted to ride a little boy ride. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, what, uh, fun fact about that ride, I will say, if when you're going into, I believe the first or second room of that ride, and you look to your left and behind you, you can see a picture of Winnie the Pooh uh, taking the deed to the ride from Mister Toad. Oh, really? So, yeah, really cool Easter egg there. So everyone, when you ride the uh, when you ride the Winnie the Pooh ride at Disney World, not at Disneyland, because I don't, I think they still have uh, Mr. Toad's World ride at Disneyland. But in Disney World, if you ride it uh, and you look to, behind you and to the left, I, I believe it's in the room where the wind starts knocking things down. I don't fully remember, but behind you and to the left, there's a picture of uh, Mr. Toad and Winnie the Pooh that you should all find. Good, good little references like that. I didn't even know that. I learned something in this podcast today. Uh, it's, it's quite interesting. Yeah, cool. All right, so you ready for our number two? Pick? Yes. All uh, right. What's yours? Number two. This is where we start getting into the boring rides that I love, but no one else does. Um, so my number one favorite ride in Magic Kingdom, and one of my favorite rides at Disney World, is the T- Tomorrowland Transit Authority People Mover, which is just a a car that goes along uh, some elevated tracks in Tomorrowland uh, and it advertises all of the other rides that you could be riding instead of riding this boring people mover. But I would rather ride the boring people mover five times over. Um, it's, uh, it's not exactly fun, but something about the charm of the voiceover um saying, you know, that's, well, that's the throwback to an earlier conversation. That's uh, where they mention Mr. Tom Morrow. Uh, and that's where they they show off they show off the other rides and kind of talk about them a little bit. It, it feels like a tour around a futuristic city, you know, a, a kind of a retro-futuristic city. And I really like that. It really, it's something about it is it just brings you it brings you into the world um actually that is something i was going to say is when you've been at disney world as many times as i have and i've been like on the cusp of 20 times i've been quite a few times I haven't even been there half that many times yeah i've been to disney world a lot you're very lucky um i am i also save a lot a lot of money and spend it all on disney world mm-hmm. but um I've, I've been to Disney World many times. The big, exciting roller coaster rides, after a while, they're not as exciting. They're still fun, don't get me wrong. They're just not as exciting after a while. But when you 
so when you go there, the rides you really enjoy are the ones that suck you in and bring you into the world that Disney's trying to tell. And to me, nothing does that quite like the Tomorrowland Transit Authority People Mover, because it just, it brings you around that little section of the park and tells you all about it and makes you feel like you're in a futuristic city. And I love that. I love that so much, and I wish they would do that. They do they do that a lot. They do it so well. That is the thing that Disney does so well. Even with like the new Star Wars Land and Toy Story Land, all that stuff. It that is what sets them above everyone else uh, in terms of theme theme parks. Is they just know how to tell a story and they do it in the environment that they set up. And so that's why I love that ride. I, I love it quite a bit. So. Um, about the people mover, mm-hmm. um, one time I went to Disney World on a high school band trip, uh-huh. and uh, um, we went during kind of an off-season time, so Space Mountain had no lines. Right. So I told everybody in my group, I was like, hey, let's ride Space Mountain a bunch of times because um, you know there's no lines. So we rode it like six times in a row. Right. And after the sixth time, even though Space Mountain's not so bad of a roller coaster, even after, after six times, you're like, ugh. So, so we all rode the people mover after that and we felt better. <laughs> uh, yes. And then, um, and then I remember last time we both, you and I both were at Disney world. Um, we rode the people mover at night and they had the lights to space mountain on. And right. there's that one point in the people mover where you go around and see space mountain and usually you don't see a whole lot, but, uh, we saw that we saw it with all the lights on in the people mover area and that was pretty cool. Uh, that That's the other thing that I really like is sometimes you'll catch things with the lights on when they're not supposed to be and that's a really good time it's very rare but it does happen and then also right now they're building tron so we pass by the construction of tron and we get to look at the progress and we're like oh cool the track's done oh look they're building the facade up top maybe it'll be done soon and then it never is because COVID happened and well anyway it's beside the point yeah well i mean as as rough as it is i can wait for them to finish it because i'll have to save my money in order to go Disney World next time. That's true. So they can take as long as they like. Um, all right. Well, with that out of the way, I'll do my number two favorite Disney World ride, and it's you know a pretty standard one, uh, Haunted Mansion. Okay. Mm, good choice. Now, when I was a little kid, I was too scared to ride Space Mountain for the first couple of times I went to Disney World. Um, okay. You know, because it's like I'm not really a big fan of roller coasters. You want me to ride one in the dark? <laughs> no. Uh, but then after I rode it and I learned that it's really nothing more than just the mind train in the dark. It's not really that bad. Uh, right. I, that that was I, I liked it better. But for the longest time, when I was a little kid, my favorite ride was the Haunted Mansion. Um, and I, I don't know. I guess maybe I was a weird little kid because I wasn't really scared by it. Granted, I went the first time I rode it. I was like a couple of years older than you were when you first rode it. So so a couple of years makes a big difference for a little kid. Um, so but even then, I must have been a pretty messed up kid to like it uh as much no. as i did uh but then while most other kids liked et as a movie my favorite movies were gremlins and ghostbusters so i don't know i just think it's a neat ride i've always thought that ghosts were really cool i mean one of my guilty pleasures is watching those ghost shows on tv where they try to investigate places and find proof of ghosts and it's so stupid and cheesy but i love it um i, I love Riding it last time, we, we went around Halloween time, and we rode it at night. And mm-hmm. I don't think they changed anything, but it was just so cool uh, riding it then. That, yeah. was, that was so cool. And then uh, they had added some extra things, like they had people dressed up as the ghost walking around. And I remember uh, 
like I said, I don't know if you were with me or not when, when this happened, but one of the ladies dressed up as a ghost was telling us that she had to stay in character and couldn't laugh or smile. So I tried my darndest to make her laugh with stupid jokes and funny faces, and she was like, stop it. Yeah. <laughs> they do stay in character very well, though, I got to say. Yeah. They usually don't break. But uh, I, I, I know that's that's also one of my favorite rides. I didn't put it on the list because, well, it's, uh, I don't want to have, well, I like five rides slightly better, but it is, it is, um, it's not exactly, I think it, I think Walt was still around when he, when they designed that ride. Yeah. And, um, so to me, I, I like any Walt original rides. They're, they're very, very good. And that one in particular, I know a lot about, for instance, the, um, the ballroom scene with all the ghosts dancing around, uh-huh. uh, that's created using an effect called, um, called... What is it? Well, I don't remember the name of the effect for some reason. But uh, basically... I know someone who probably knows the effect, but we'll talk about him later. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I forgot. Basically, they have they have a big window into the ballroom um, that you don't really notice is there when you're running the cars because it's going so fast. Big window into the ballroom, and so you can see inside the ballroom. But also, uh, beh- under you, where you know the ghosts... Uh, on the other side of the window, on your side of the window, there are animatronics moving around in a circle, and lights come on. So the reflections of the lights show up in the in the um, window to the ballroom. So it looks like little ghosts dancing around, despite it just being some animatronics in the background. Um, that's really fun. Another fun thing is, at one point, uh, a crack developed in the window glass. And... That window glass, you know, they're giant panes of glass, so they cost probably at this point hundreds of thousand dollars to of dollars to replace, and they have to special order and everything, so very expensive. So at one point, a, a crack in the glass formed. They didn't know how they were going to fix it, so what they did is they uh, cracked it a little more in a pattern, and then put a little spider on it, and made it look like a spider web. There, I so, if you notice a spider in the corner and on uh, one of the glass panes as you're riding by in Haunted Mansion, that's actually a crack of the glass. <laughs> I also just liked Haunted Mansion as a kid because it was scary, but not too scary. Right. It was just it was scary enough to be that fun scary, but not the frightening scary. Yeah, I mean, well, except for me. Well, you were you were, <laughs> you were only four years old. I that's mean, true. You can't you can't blame yourself for that. Yeah. I mean, I would have been scared too if I was only four years old and rode that ride. Mm-hmm. So, but again, I was a little older when I first rode it, so I enjoyed it. So. Right. All right. So now let's do our number one favorite rides at Disney World, and oh, yours is a pretty unusual one. I'd have yes. to say. No one is going to agree with me on this, but uh, I, I know somebody who will. Reasons. Really? Yeah, one of our listeners will. Really? Hi, Courtney. Yeah, yeah, one okay. of our listeners. Well, will. Courtney, you and I are two uh, the same type of person because my favorite ride ever at uh, all of Walt Disney World is a little ride in Epcot in the Land Pavilion. A lot of you are thinking, "Oh, Soren! Oh, that's a great ride. What is he talking about?" No, it's Living with the Land. I really like Living with the Land. Uh, it is a slow-moving boat ride that tells you about all of the innovative new ways that we are learning to farm. That's what the ride's about. Farming. It is extremely boring for most people. But for me, it is 
one of the rides, I think probably the last remaining ride at Epcot, that is what Epcot is supposed to be all about, which is, a lot of people say, oh, it's the experimental prototype community of tomorrow, that's what Epcot is. No, not really. It's a permanent world's fair. That's what Epcot's supposed to be. And while also keeping kind of with the theming of a community of tomorrow, telling of all the innovative ways that they're changing the way farming is done, to me, it fits so well with what Epcot is supposed to be. And I've always loved Epcot, ever since I was a kid. And uh, every time you go on it, there's something different. Because it'll take you through a little greenhouse area, and... uh, It'll show you. It'll show you uh, different plants that are being grown during that season. So no matter what season you're going to go, you're going to get something different because different plants require different seasons. And then they'll show you different like methods that they're using to grow the plants, which has changed several times over the course of, of the many many years that I've ridden that ride. And they're working with the uh, USDA, I think the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Um, and they have a, a full-on science lab in the in the background during the ride. So you, you're riding through, and, it's, and you see where they're actually creating new ways to, like, innovative ways to f- farm and do agriculture. That is so interesting to me. And it's such a, it's very much a World's Fair thing. And it, in addition to the World's Showcase, it is the best part about that park. The thing that fits so well with the idea of the park and what the park's trying to be. So I love it. I love it so much. And they could just continue that way with the rest of the Epcot uh, renovations that they're currently doing. I would be a happy man. I doubt that's what they'll do, but I hope they do. Hmm. Well, I've always liked the Land Pavilion uh, for some reason. Um, that, That ride that you talked about... I always enjoyed that. There's, it always seemed like there's something new in it. And it's interesting. It's a nice, li- nice little relaxing ride. Um, another thing that was there that I love that is no longer there is Kitchen Cabaret. It was this mm-hmm. little show with a bunch of talking animatronic food. Veggie, veggie, fruit, fruit. Veggie, veggie, fruit, fruit. Well, I don't remember, I remember that, that well, but um, what? <laughs> you don't remember the song they sang? Uh, afraid not. Well, they changed the songs a, a few times. Oh, okay. Um, and my my favorite restaurant is there. Uh, the rotating restaurant. Oh that's, yes, that's in the land. The Garden Grill. Oh man, that's so good. The food was so good when we went. And then I love the fact that the characters that come around to visit you are Chip and Dale. Well, I will say that the food is still very good, but they did change the menu. Yeah, I instead heard, of I heard that, that delicious, just immaculate steak that they served, it is now roast beef. So, still good. But, oh man, I ate so much of that steak that it made me sick. I remember so that. Good. I, I, I don't remember a time I'd ate more steak than that. It was, so that, was that was some of the best steak it, ever It's served family style, so you get you get as much as you want. Yeah, it's like Thanksgiving dinner. Unlimited much. steak. Are you crazy? Oh, <laughs> such a good time. And Chip and Dale were there. Yeah, so, that's right. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. That's my favorite. So yeah, I really like the land. Um, Alright, well my favorite ride, and you might have already guessed it, is Space Mountain. Because once, as I did get brave enough as I was older, uh, I rode Space Mountain. I loved it. It's basically just the mine train from Six Flags in the Dark, 
but the theming is so well done. Uh, so I liked it. And again, that's all I really have to say about it. I love writing it every time I get a chance. Um, one thing I thought about that I should probably mention is, um, uh, I don't know if you remember the game Pac-Man World on the PlayStation. I do. I do remember that game. Um, the designers of that game based the worlds around different Disney areas. Oh. So there's a pirate level that's based on, of course, Pirates of the Caribbean. There's a, the last level is a Haunted Mansion. Um, and then there's a space level that is obviously That's, Space Mountain. This seems like a more authentic Disney World game than any other Disney World game. Um, I don't know, maybe. But um, the, the neat thing is, is you know, I really got to know the team uh, that made Pac-Man World uh, um, you know, was when I was writing for the Dallas Warren News and I followed the progress of that game. So I really got to know members of, the, of that team really well. And one of them, his name is Scott Rogers, and I still talk to him on Facebook from time to time. And uh, after he worked on a bunch of really famous video games, he was a Disney Imagineer for a while. Really? Yeah. So I hope he gets to listen to this podcast. I'm sure we made all sorts of errors while we're talking that he may pick out, but I hope he gets to listen to it and I hope he has fun. No, no, I don't make errors. Just calculated mistakes. Oh, yeah. Uh, like Appalachian Mountains and the Yeti? Yeah. No, no I, was, it was, I was adding a little <laughs> bit of comedy, you know, a little bit of back and forth, you know? Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> all right. Well, anyway, those are our favorite rides, but, you know, of course, there's always a lot of honorable mentions, and I think we'll go over those here real quick uh, to conclude. Um, as far as roller coasters go, there are two that are very much like the Mine Train, uh, aside from Space Mountain, that I really like, and those are the Big Thunder Mountain Railroad and that new Snow White Dwarf Mine roller coaster. Yes, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Which is basically, it's the same thing as the Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, except I think the carts kind of tilt a little bit. Let me tell you something interesting I figured out about Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. I actually learned about this a long time ago, but I had forgotten in this recent trip uh, we met up with our cousin Jana just randomly because she happened to be at Disney at the same time. Which I hope she listened to this podcast too. I'm going to send her a link to it. Yeah, um, but uh, she reminded me that if you're on Big Thunder Mountain Railroad and they have merch of this now, it's like a very... Um, popular thing amongst Disney files, like people who go to Disney World all the time. If you're riding Big Thunder Mountain and you spot a goat, point at the goat and yell goat because it makes the ride a lot more fun. And it doesn't change anything physically about the ride, but for some reason in your head, it makes it so that you're paying it more attention to the goat and not paying attention to the ride. So all of the hills and stuff end up being a lot more fun. Uh, and me and all my brothers did it. Well, not all my brothers, but me and Caleb and Jared did it uh, last time we went, and uh, it ended up being a lot more intense, a lot more intense than I expected. It was like riding Space Mountain with your eyes closed. It was quite quite the fun ride. Man, I, I, I just have enough trouble holding on for my dear life on that ride. <laughs> I don't think I can spot any goats. Well, it is the wildest ride in the wilderness. Yeah, well, another <laughs> ride... Another ride that I really liked was the, I don't remember what it's called, it's the Buzz Lightyear shooting ride at uh, Tomorrowland. Yes, yes. I like Buzz Lightyear's Space Ranger Spin. I like that one because, one, you got to control a cart, and you got to shoot, and you got to see your score. So it was like a video game and a ride all in one. Mm-hmm. Um, they tried this again later with Toy Story Mania, um, which I didn't like that one as much because you're just shooting at a 3D screen. And, and you just whip around several times, and it's flat, and I don't know. I just didn't really like it as much. So. Well, I appreciate your Sorry. opinion about that. I will say, personally, I like Toy Story Mania a lot better. Yeah, um, well, you also have two eyes and can see the 3D effect. That's true, that's true. And but, uh, oh man, the guns are so much easier to use. The guns, 
in Toy Story uh, and uh, Space Ranger Spin, they have mushy, mushy buttons, and it's just gross to try and use. Um, I will say, though, one interesting fact about Disney World versus Disneyland. uh, In Disney World, it's called uh, Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger Spin, but in Disneyland, it's called Buzz Lightyear's Astro Blasters. The funny thing about that is, we also have a ride called Astro Blasters, but it's actually a Dumbo ride that's at the top of the, the centerpiece to Tomorrowland. So it gets really confusing when you're going from Disneyland to Disney World because you have Astro Blasters and they're two completely different rides. Anyway, it's a good thing go. they're, uh, they're, they're too close to park. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, also, I had to mention Disney Quest because we went like a long time ago when I first graduated college and it was like all state-of-the-art. Yeah, it's, it's like a big multi-level complex that has all sorts of arcade games and other uh, interactive attractions. And when we went there when I got out of college, it was really new at the time. And oh yeah, even fantastic! Though, even though my favorite part is still the old classic arcade game section, they had VR before Oculus even existed. And then, like the last time we went, like back in 2014, I think is the last time I went to Disney World. We went back to Disney Quest, and they hadn't really done a good job maintaining it, so it was so outdated and run down by then. That's right. And it was a shame, but and it, I still loved it. it. It was. It's just amazing how 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 things can change when you, when you put technology into it. it. It's just it's crazy. So hopefully someday they can bring it back. I always had an idea that they could do like an arcade and yeah. call it Wreck It Ralph's Arcade or something. You know. Well. Just so you know, the thing that they replaced Disney Quest with was called uh, the NBA Experience, and it's already closed. And that's surprising, because Disney Quest just closed, like, two years ago, and now the thing that replaced it is already closed. So, who knows what's going to happen. We might get a new... uh, It's going to be a new Disney Experience of some kind. I'm hoping it's going to be cool. I'm excited for it. But... One thing I will say is uh, something new that is coming to Epcot um, kind of has a little bit of the announcements for it kind of have a little bit of Disney Quest type vibes uh, and it's coming to the the former um, Wonders of Life Pavilion, you know, where Body Wars and all that stuff used to be. That's where Buzzy was stolen from recently. Um, it's called the Play Pavilion uh, and some of the things they announced for it were an animation academy where you help Edna Mode, uh, I guess, find a good costumes for the superheroes. And then a hotel heist, which has something to do with Zootopia. Don't really know what that might be. And then it says there's going to be an arcade there. It says arcade, another inter- another interactive game. So it might be like one game called arcade, or it might be a full-on arcade. I don't really know. I vote for the second Call it Rick Rouse Arcade. Yeah, yeah. And just nothing but classic arcade games. That would be fantastic. And a bunch. And where else are they going to put all the Wreck-It Ralph machines that they made? You know, <laughs> uh, it's going to be or Fix-It Felix machines rather. Um, then they have Monorail Mark X. No idea what that'll be. And then a water balloon game featuring Huey, Dewey, and Louie and Webby Vonderquack from Ducktales. Yes, Ducktales. So a Ducktales theme theme area. Yep. Oh, so. It sounds pretty fun. It sounds a lot like uh, what Disney Quest was. Yeah, it really does. It, it the description really has that Disney Quest yeah. vibe to it. I hope. Uh, I hope it ends up being good because it, it yeah. sounds really fun. And they update it. But 
It also looks like it might really focus on the Disney Play app, which isn't very good. So let's see what they do with it. Let's hope, hopefully they don't make it about cell phones and make it more about video games. Yeah. That would be cool. Well, anyway. um, some other things that I always liked or have good memories of was at one point uh, when Mickey was celebrating one of his uh, big birthdays, like his 60th birthday or 70th birthday, I don't remember. Uh-huh. I went to Disney World as a kid and they had a Mickey's birthday area. I think they eventually turned it to a Toontown area, but it was just called Mickey's Birthday Land for a while, and you got to visit Mickey's house, which, you know, our brother Ben's house that he has now really looks a lot like Mickey's house. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, the thing I liked about that area was they would blow uh, the scent of birthday cake all over that area. That's and, right. And so I thought that was kind of funny. They still kind of do that in Main Street, although I, I hear that they have, like, taken out that technology... I don't think that's true. I think they actually do blow out the air from the bakeries and stuff in Main Street. Um, that's still a thing that happens. I, you can smell the cookies walking around. There's no way that's just from the bakery. You know what I'm saying? People who say that it's that they take it away. No. Come on. Come on. You can smell it all up and down Main Street. You're telling me that's just from the smell of the car? No. Come on. Well, I also like uh, Muppet Vision 3D, even though I can't see the 3D effects. Because I just like the Muppets that much. Good. Great, great show. It's, it's really funny. Um, and Epcot Center, I also like World Showcase. I uh, probably spend yes. a whole day at World Showcase. Yeah, it's simulated culture. Oh, uh, yes. It's fun. It's a, it's a theme park. World Showcase, I could actually spend, this is not a joke, I could probably spend my entire Disney World trip just in World Showcase. Wow. They have so many things to do there, and there is still stuff that I haven't seen, and I've been all around World Showcase multiple times. And uh, my favorite park uh, my favorite uh, area is Japan, because I'm a big old weeb and like all the animes, so, uh, you know, they got a store there for me. It's fantastic. I remember that store and the little yokai museum we went mm-hmm. to, and uh, one mm-hmm. of these days you'll have to tell me what a weeb means. Uh, it's a, uh, well, don't worry about it. Okay. Um, <laughs> internet culture thing. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't really get into that internet culture stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, another Epcot thing I really liked that I wrote last time was Test Track. Fantastic, right? Um... And, like, if I ever turned evil and took over Epcot Center and made it be, like, a Namco theme park, because Namco is my favorite video game uh, company, um, I would, like, paint the Spaceship Earth all yellow, and he'd be Mm Pac-Man. And then I'd change the test track area to be Ridge Racer. And this is why I'm glad you're not in charge of Disney World. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm not evil, so... (laughs) Well, that's true. Yeah. That's true. You'd have to be... (laughs) So, um, If you were evil, you'd probably be a Disney CEO. Anyway. Well... Um, and, and, uh, yeah, before we get to some other stuff here at the end, that's kind of non-Disney, um, you had another thing you wanted to add? Uh, right. I have, I have never, I had never done this attraction before, before the most recent trip, and we wrote the script before the most recent trip, but I finally did it, and I have to think about it for a little more, but it might have ranked somewhere on the top five list if I had done it before. Uh, but Country Bear Jamboree is one of my favorite attractions there, and I had never done it, and I wish I had because apparently it's a shorter version, first of all, but also, I, you know, I've lived so many years without knowing the greatness that is that little animatronic show. Uh, apparently, even uh, uh, Chuck E. Cheese based some of its stuff off of 
Country Fair Jamboree. Yeah, I watched a hist- I watched a video on the history of Chuck E. Cheese recently, and they said that they were inspired by the animatronics in Country Bear Jamboree. It's also a very sh- old show, so they were able to get away with a lot more that I don't think they could have gotten away with if it were made today. Um, like, well, I won't get into details, but it's quite quite fun. It's it's quite a quite a good quite a nice experience. It's just a bunch of uh, bears. Animatronic bears singing country songs, and I like it. Quite a fun time. Well, that's cool. I think I did that when I was really little, and I barely remember anything about it, other than it was just a bunch of singing bears, and I might have gotten bored. As yeah. A kid, as a little kid with a short attention span. Anyway. Like I said, I like boring rides. Yeah. Well, before we go, I wanted to mention that uh, at some a couple of non-Disney stuff. The last time we went, we went in the Harry Potter area at Universal Studios. Yeah. And I'm not a big Harry Potter fan like the rest of my brothers. I just never really got into it for some reason. But even I had to say that that stuff is pretty amazing. Um, if you're a Harry Potter fan, you'll just go gaga over so, it. So, funny, funny, funnily enough, um, a lot of the former Imagineers at Disney eventually ended up working at Universal, and one of the first things they made was the Mythos area at Universal, which, to me, ever since I was a kid, has always been the best-themed land there. It was, like, really fun to walk around. Now, the thing is, didn't have any rides at all. It had a one walk-on attraction called Poseidon's Fury and nothing else. It was the most boring land possible, but it had the best theming. It was all based around the Greek pantheon. Crazy stuff happening. Well, those Imagineers that moved over to Universal also ended up working on the Harry Potter theming. And they did a fantastic job. I just like that train fantastic ride. Fantastic job. That they had, tra- you know, you on that right? little train uh, from one park to the other that has Harry Potter stuff. Right. and uh, Then you go to the area where there's snow on the uh, houses in the little Harry Potter town that's not in the castle. I, mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't read the book, so... it's. Uh, and like it messed me up because you see all the snow, but it's hot. <laughs> yeah. And I also like that pumpkin drink that you can get. I think I drank like three bottles of that when we were right. there. The uh, butter beer? No, it's not the butter beer. It's the pumpkin thing. Pumpkin thing. Yeah, it, it was just a pumpkin juice. The butter beer tasted like oh pumpkin juice, right? Yeah, and I love pumpkin flavored stuff, so I love that. That's and um, I don't. It, it was just it was just a really neat place. There's that bank that you can go into and Green Guts. And I I I went to that bank and. Uh, you look up above, uh, there's like a really tall desk podium and you look up above and you can see like the top of a goblin thing writing down some notes. And I stood up there and looked at it and was trying to figure out if it was animatronic or not. And it like peered down at me and went, do you have a question? I was like, whoa, okay. (laughs) So I thought that was really cool. So I have to say, if you're a Harry Potter fan, you're going to love that. Yeah, definitely not. It's definitely worth it to go see it. If you, especially if you're a Harry Potter fan, one of the best themed lands ever, and this is coming from someone who loves Disney, who I already said is they're unbeatable in terms of theming. But Universal got pretty pretty dang close with Harry Potter, I gotta well, say. Well, next time we go back to Disney World, I can't wait to ride the Tron ride because Tron was my, one of my favorite movies as a kid. Uh, also, I like to try that new Star Wars stuff that they have mm-hmm. there. Now I hear mm-hmm. about it's really cool. But I probably won't go back to Disney World again until Universal has that Nintendo area built. And then once they have that Nintendo area built, uh, you won't ever see me again unless you come and visit. You won't ever see me again unless you come and visit uh, the theme park because I'm just going to live there. Gotcha. Nope, not coming back. I mean, especially if they make like a little area that's based on Animal Crossing or Mm -hmm. Kirby or something. I'm like, nope, I live here Uh, now. 
I wish they would, but I doubt they will. No, they probably won't. I mean, it's probably just going to be like that yeah. Mario and Donkey Kong stuff they're talking about. But, yeah. Which is okay, like, but, you which, know. Yeah, the most exciting thing for me is that Donkey Kong ride. That's, that's going to be really fun. They're, they said they're going to bring a Donkey Kong exclusive, an exclusive to America Donkey Kong Country ride. So that sounds like a great time. The rest of the stuff is all Mario, which I think is cool. I just... I like Zelda better, and Metroid better, and Kirby better, and Animal Crossing better. So Me too. Me too. I like pretty much all of Nintendo's other stuff more than I like Mario. <laughs> yeah, yeah but I'm, I'm, I feel the same way. Yeah, anyway. I really do. But anyway, so that's about all I think uh, we can talk about. Was there anything else you needed to say before we, can, we sign uh, off? No. Uh, Disney World is too expensive, but it's a really good time if you like uh, boring and weird stuff like I do. <laughs> And also maybe some throw ads if you're into that. Well, I have to say that yeah, Disney World is pretty expensive, and there's so many people out there that just can't go. I mean, it's just impossible. So uh, I feel very lucky that I've been able to go as many times as I have, and I've, I'm sure you feel the same way. Oh, yeah. Um, hopefully this podcast has brought some fun of Disney World to all you listeners out there. I would really like to thank everybody listening right now. Um, I'd also like to thank my brother Jeff, who's going to be editing this. It shouldn't, it's <laughs> Good luck. Be, well, it's going to be a long one, but uh, hopefully it won't take him. Uh, it won't be too hard on him. And I'd also like to thank you, Nathan, for taking the time out to do, record this podcast with me. As I always say, your time is the best gift that you can give somebody. So I just want to say thank you for that. And with that out of the way, I guess that's the end of episode five. Uh, goodbye. Bye. Goodbye now. Goodbye.